I'm Cindy Crum, and this is SEO in 2023. Cindy, what is your number one SEO tip for 2023? So my number one tip is that I think people need to be looking to optimize beyond just normal blue links. And what I mean by that is I think that the old ways of doing SEO are a bit outmoded and, and aren't working in some cases and just kind of pushing harder and harder and harder to get one page on your site to rank if you're up against big behemoths of you know ranking competitors is might never work. And so there are uh, ways to get above big competitors that involve using other sites. For instance, getting things to rank on other sites that have enough SEO value and clout in the algorithm to beat out top competitors. And that's things like YouTube uh, can displace uh, top competitors. Uh, in some cases, Facebook or LinkedIn or the other Twitter can push things down or getting a, a knowledge graph or a local pack can, can, for certain keywords, can kind of skip the line. So just trying the same strategies of linking and keyword optimization and writing, 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 and semantic SEO and all of that, it's all great. But it, when you're up against huge competitors, sometimes it's not enough. So are you saying that there's less traffic available now through the traditional blue links? Or is it simple, simply because there's more competition? There's more social sites, as you say, and, and other competition as well? I think it's both. There's, there's more competition because every year the web grows dramatically, right? New web pages are created and old ones aren't archived and new people are getting on the web and new small companies are building websites. The web gets bigger and bigger in exponential ways. Um, and so there's always more competitors, but also the algorithm does in some cases tend to be favoring certain kinds of results. And that does include super high authority sites, but also it includes uh, fast and dynamic kinds of sites like social media or like YouTube or, or sites that tend to feature more multimedia and multimodal content. Got you. Okay. So are you saying then that SEOs should try to actually spend a significant amount of their time optimizing to rank high in search engines actually from LinkedIn, from, from, from YouTube? Yes. And uh, to, so to try and obtain rankings within the traditional Google SERP but via YouTube? Yes. So it's something, it's a strategy that's been around for a long time. I think Rand Fishkin originally called it Barnacle SEO, and it's getting rankings from sites that you don't own. And that can be tough in, in a lot of scenarios because it's harder to track and it's harder to attribute, but it does work. And especially if you can get something ranking in the top three and get traffic to that thing and then get conversions from that to your site, it's an extra step, but it's better than not being there at all. And, you know, you publishing just a new blog post, even if it's an amazing blog post, may not be enough to displace whoever is is ranking there. Now we'll see with the helpful content update, maybe your, your awesome blog post will fare better. But uh, when you're up against super high authority sites or super competitive keywords and you're a small player, you have to be scrappy. You have to take non-traditional routes. Understood. Okay. So you said super competitive keywords. Does this mean that um, 
you're talking about fairly short tail keywords, maybe just two or three words or so that has the potential of driving a lot of traffic. And these kind of sites give you the best. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Quick answer there. Um, So not so much kind of long tail keywords. There's still an opportunity to rank blog posts, for instance, for long tail keyword phrases. Yeah, I think there's still an opportunity to rank for long tail keywords. And of course, keywords, you know, Google still sees new keyword combinations uh, every day, all the time. But I think if what you're going for is things that are closer to the messy middle or the head terms, then that's where the success lies. So ideally, then, what type of content should you be creating to, to match the user intent? So if it's a relatively short tail keyword phrase, how do you determine what it is that the user is likely to be looking for? Do you look at the SERP still for that particular keyword phrase? Do you look at YouTube results for that keyword phrase to, to try and match or better what already exists on a platform like YouTube for that particular keyword phrase? Both. I look all around to see what is ranking and what Google wants to rank. I look for, when we're looking at what's in the search result, I look for dramatic changes in in ranking signals. So if this is a really high authority site and this is a really high authority site and then this is someone we've never heard of, what did they do to get there? And why is that working better, especially if they have high authority sites below them? And then I always tend to focus more now towards how to and FAQ in uh, video and written format with images, rich results that expand Google's new buzzword, which is the journey. Okay, okay. So obviously, in terms of social sites, you mentioned YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Is there a particular platform that's best for a particular type of business? Well, it depends on obviously where your customers are. You want to fish where the fish are. So if your customers are all on Reddit, then participating there might be good from a uh, marketing perspective. It may not rank, but looking at where your customers are, can you get things from that platform to rank? And if they're not naturally ranking on some queries, then moving on to a different platform or acknowledging that search na- search happens outside of Google. And so if Reddit's really the place where people are and you don't see it ranking in search results, but you know your people are there, uh, making sure you know what's ranking as people search and surf around in there. Or uh, same with you know, Facebook or YouTube. Um, I think we're just, we're at a point where the search results are so uh, packed often with really rich, uh, engaging content that just publishing another blog post often isn't enough. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you mentioned, obviously, that measuring the value of traffic to third-party platforms is, is very difficult. Do you generally recommend then trying to drive people from those particular platforms back to your website? So for instance, would you answer a question on YouTube and then actually say at the end of the YouTube video that there's a more informative article or or PDF that people can download directly on your website? Would you actively try and do that as well? Yes, exactly. And you can even build on that and make the the video kind of the entry to a larger, longer journey where you say this is just a basic, you know, overview of the topic. If you want to learn more about it and see a detailed breakdown of blah, 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 then uh, there's a link in the description and you can go uh, get all that other great stuff. So obviously we have regular Google algorithms 
being updated and that impacts the SERP. Um, so how does that impact what you're advising her? Well, I think as Google gets better and better at understanding the meaning of a query and the meaning of content on a page or a website, they are getting better at ranking what users really want. And often what users really want is not what SEOs want to make. And so you have to do, we have to, as a community, kind of do a better job in joining uh, what users want with what we're creating. And and oftentimes users do want these kind of multimodal, multimedia experiences. They want videos and images, diagrams, quick, quick tips, and stuff like that. Thinking about, you know, the, all the buzz that TikTok has been getting uh, for the younger generation using TikTok as a search engine or even a local search engine to find restaurants and stuff like that. That is a trend that I think is emblematic of the general desire to find quick answers, but also find answers that are harder to game and that seem authentically human and not auto-generated, robot-generated, or written specifically um, to convince you to buy. You know, no one likes to feel like they're being sold. It's uncomfortable. Um, And so having these things that are multimedia at least puts a more human touch on things and makes it seem more authentic. Is there any best place to go to to research what your users are actually looking for? Or is the best place to do to actually have a real-life conversation with your users? Ideally, yeah. Conversations with users are great, um, not just for this, but for lots of things. And so you should be talking to your customers to learn what their journey was like. Where did they start? Who did they talk to? How did they make their final decision? What was persuasive and what was annoying? And incorporate that into SEO. And and this is kind of the path that we've been on for a number of years, uh, where SEO used to be something where clever people could... Uh, do clever things and outrank everyone quickly, you know, and that's not as much the case anymore. You still have to be clever, but you also have to really be doing a what real companies do, which is creating a good product, supporting the product well, having good customer service. And so thinking about those things in the SEO context and evolving our collective understanding of what it is to be an SEO, that it's not just about being clever. It's also about being a good marketer and connecting uh, with users' deeper goals and getting them to the right answers as quickly as possible. Uh, it's more kind of esoteric, I guess, um, It's and less like tactical, less, you know, just target these five keywords on the page and use H1 and H2 tags. But you, you still need to do those things. You just have to start it from a more evolved place, I think. So does that mean keywords aren't as important as they used to be? Or are they just as important? It's just there are other things that are added on to what you have to do as well. That's a good question. I hadn't thought about that. I think in general, keywords keywords are obviously still important, but what I'm seeing uh, in search engines, is, or well, in Google specifically, is that we have these concepts, especially towards head terms, of like canonical questions, for instance. 
And I think that that may also exist in keywords as well, where you can phrase a a query a couple different ways. And if Google has decided that these things are synonyms or that they understand a bulk of the query but not parts of it, uh, they can respond to what they understand well um, with some kind of canonical knowledge graph response and the users are still happy. So for instance, the example I give uh, on this is a query, and I haven't checked to see if this is still the case, but um, if you did a long tail query that was like, what is the name of uh, the Cranberries drummer? And the Cranberries is an old band um, from the 90s or 2000s, I guess. But the thing is, they didn't have a drummer. So what does Google rank for that query? Google still ranks the Cranberries knowledge graph, assuming that you'll look into the band members and see, oh, this, this person, this person, this person, but there's no drummer. So you'll answer your own question. Google couldn't answer the question, but they threw a knowledge graph on you and that was close enough. Users found stuff like that good enough, right? And so in some cases, all Google has to do is get in the ballpark and then they've pushed every website down and they still think that that knowledge graph is a better answer than your long blog post about why the cranberries didn't have a drummer it seems google wants websites to be specialists in specialist niches um nowadays and for them to understand what the entity is about what what it represents and what what it isn't about so bearing that in mind do you think that um an international business um, that deals in multiple products and services are sometimes better off in having multiple websites focusing on distinct niches, or is a business better off driving as much authority to the same domain as possible? I usually tend towards the latter option, simply because resources are almost always part of the decision and it's easier to build and maintain one site than it is to build and maintain multiple sites. It's easier and cheaper. And so if resources are part of the equation, then just one. If resources are unlimited, then I might tend towards the other. But that would assume that we could build up those other ones to be super niche specialist sites uh, with really great content. And that's, you know, often when you do a multi-site strategy, that doesn't end up to be the case. There's just limited resources. So you have only so many writers, so you can have only so many great pieces of content. So yeah, I think that it's an interesting question, but it's not just a ne- question for SEO. It's a business question. As most SEO, you know, SEO questions are almost always business questions. And so looking at the larger picture is really important. So you've shared that SEO should be focusing on optimizing for other platforms in 2023. But now let's talk about what SEO shouldn't be doing. So what's something that's seductive in terms of time, but ultimately counterproductive? What's something that SEO shouldn't be doing in 2023? Well, so it's interesting. I think that SEOs still spend uh, too much time, and this is something that you don't hear a lot, I guess. I think SEOs spend too much time in analytics, believing exactly what tools say about rankings. And so they say, they spend the time looking at the the tools, whatever tool it is, right? And it's say, oh, it says we're in position three for this keyword and that we wanna be in position two, uh, this is a problem. Or it says, you know, this keyword doesn't get enough search volume. Uh, so we're not going to target it. And, and I think both of those kinds of, you know, deep reliance on tools 
uh, to kind of push you towards decisions and actions might be, it needs to be tempered with real searches because all of the tools um, have their own limitations as well. And so if they are giving you a ranking for a country, that ranking might be um, true as an average or true at a particular location, but not true at other locations in the country or in the state uh, or in the city. And it might not actually, the number might not actually be representative. And even if you have that number, you don't know what it really means unless you're looking at things like what is above that ranking and what is in uh, specifically, not just things that you can get from tools like is there a featured snippet um, or is there a knowledge graph, but also just looking at how far down the page the item is and what is, is it really interactive and engaging above it or no? Because if all you have is a blue link and not even an image or some star rankings or some rich results, and you're just a blue link and you're up against all of these like googly things with expanders and pictures and play and videos and how-to stuff coming into the search result, all of that is more enticing than a simple blue link. And so it's not just about knowing a number, it's about knowing that number in a, in a larger context and, and thinking to yourself, is that gonna be enough? And if I were searching for this company and had no, or this content and had no affiliation with the company, what would I click on? And it's often the stuff that, that's not you. So, so don't infer ultimate meaning from data, uh, basically, dig deeper, see what's actually happening, and um, layer different sources on top of um, what you're analyzing. Yeah, look at real results. And don't, you know, all of the tools, this is the sad thing, is that Google is now mobile first, and we know they're crawling uh, with the mobile crawler, and we know now more people are searching on mobile um, than desktop in m many industries. Uh, and yet, uh, most of the tools still focus uh, ranking data on desktop. So, you know, ask the right questions. Are my users searching on mobile? And how much of uh, the data that we're looking at in our analytics is mobile? Or is it just desktop data? And are we getting uh, different stuff on mobile? So I'll, I'll give you a, a really interesting example, personal example. I lost my knowledge graph for a while only on desktop. I still had it on mobile. Why? We don't know. About, I have theories, but it was consistent that uh, the knowledge graph would show up on mobile, but not desktop. If that's happening for a query that you care about and you're only looking at desktop rankings or you don't even know, you know, you, it's all mashed together and it's just data and it's, a, you know, that's not going to be an ultimately successful campaign or an ultimately successful SEO effort. If it's a knowledge graph for you, you want to know whether it's there on mobile or not, or whether it's there on desktop and mobile or not. And if it's for your competitor or for just a general topic, you want to know that too, because you want to have a realistic idea of what you're up against. And for instance, you can see a drop in clicks and maintain position which is exactly what happened when I lost my knowledge graph on desktop. Uh, the websites that we're tracking maintained position but lost clicks. So we're like, well, what happened there? Oh, you know, and it's either the knowledge graph came in or the knowledge graph went out. When the knowledge graph came in, website loses clicks. Is that bad? Not necessarily. There's an interesting topic for a future Majestic webinar, maybe how to target mobile only rankings. 
Well, I mean, that would, uh, that <laughs> how to target mobile rankings because the, the benefits of ranking in mobile do trickle across to desktop. Cindy Crum is founder and CEO at Mobile Moxie, and you can find her over at mobilemoxie.com. Cindy, thanks so much for being part of SEO in 2023. Thank you. Get your copy of SEO in 2023, the book, over at seoin2023.com. Thank you.